welcome to Zoom O'Clock with your host, Tessie Anthony de Nassau. This podcast brings you enlightening discussions with leading experts and public figures directly to your ears. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Zoom O'Clock with your host, Tessie Anthony de Nassau. Today, I have a very, very interesting topic for you, as always, and a topic that has been on my mind since a long time, a topic that my ex-husband was pursuing as well for quite a while, and a topic that we are all confronted in some way or another in our daily lives. I am talking about bugs. So today, I have the great pleasure to introduce Thomas Constant from the UK, a young British entrepreneur who designed growing pots to help combat climate change. Growing pots where the bugs are inside. Let me talk to you about BioBaya, the company I'm referring to. They are the future of sustainable pet food. BioBaya means food for life in Irish Gaelic. The meaning embodies our belief that we can produce sustainable resources without compromising our planet. They manufacture eco-growing pots for people's homes. Their growing pots harness insect power, power to recycle users' food waste and convert it into pet food and plant fertilizer, empowering people to create their own source of affordable and sustainable pet food. Hi, Thomas. Good morning. Good morning, Tessie. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you very much. How are you and where are you? I'm doing very well. I'm calling you from the rainy UK right now, England. Fantastic. Rainy UK, as <laughs> always, right? Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. As they say, there is no bad weather. There's just bad clothing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well said. <laughs> So, dear Thomas, your topic is so intriguing, and I was really looking forward to this podcast because it is a it is a topic that has been in my family, or at least been talked to in my family for quite a while through my ex husband as well. And um, yeah, how? Let me start off the questioning to you. How did you get to the idea of bugs for food as a food source? And was it always something that you were considering for pets? Or were you also considering it as, as, a, as a human complement to our diet? Up to you. Yeah, great question. So, yeah, the idea has changed over the past few years. But, yeah, I'll, I'll start from the beginning. So, as you said, like, I'm Thomas, founder of Be A Buyer. Um, and my background is as an industrial designer. So, but before that, like, you know, as a young kid, I was always interested in nature. Like, I grew up in the middle of the countryside in the U.K., had loads of like interesting pets growing up, loved like being outside, like looking under rocks, sit, like understanding creatures, looking at insects, all of that jazz. Uh, and as I kind of grew up, my kind of like desire and like my passion for sustainability grew. But then I also got more interested in, into design and technology. And so it was actually in my final year, or back when I was studying industrial design and technology um, at uni back in 2017, where I came up with this concept of, of grow of a pod that and lets people grow insects but like the idea really started with um trying to like seeing all global issues global issues are happening and i was like wow like uh, protein production is an increasingly important issue especially with the rising of the middle class in like you know countries like uh 
uh, India and China. So I was like, wow, this is a this is a serious issue. What problems are being uh, addressed? To, what problems are being developed to address this? And I was researching. I was like, and I was like, wow, there's loads of great innovation happening around, you know, uh, lab-grown meat, uh, plant-based insects. I was like, wow, these are all fantastic. But what 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 solutions can actually be condensed down into a household product? And I was like, wow, insects are a great solution and, and have the ability to be actually condensed into a small growing pod that can be placed in someone's house. I mean, and you know, just to like you know, just to speak about insects for a second, like you know, insects, you, you know, you might know a little bit about them, like. They re- require a fraction of the land, water, and resources compared to compared to traditional livestock. And what's really neat is it can be grown in your house by re- by eating your uneaten fruit and veg. Uh, so it's a really nice, you know, closed loop system that can be placed in anyone's home. So I essentially designed this growing pod, uh, and it won some awards. Uh, and then I wanted to commercialize it. Uh, I was like, okay, let's. Uh, Let's let's try and get some traction. Let's get some customers. So we launched on a crowdfunding platform called Kickstarter uh, last year. Uh, it was fully funded in seven hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have now we have like we have hundreds of customers all over the all over the world, mainly in Western Europe and North America. But one of the interesting things we found out about that was even though we were marketing it, it as a, a alternative way to an alternative protein. A lot of people who are buying it weren't actually buying it to grow insects for themselves. They're actually growing it to grow insects for their pets. So, like you know, there's a range of pets, including like reptiles, amphibians, uh, fish, birds, chickens. All these pets that eat insects. So our pods were, are currently being used by a range of these customers to make an affordable, sustainable, and nutritious source of protein. So earlier this year, we, we've actually well, now we've we then pivoted into this uh, new segment. Um, but it's been a really interesting journey, and that's kind of like you know broad strokes uh, understanding of the past few past few years. But um, yeah, it's been a yeah, it's been a, a fun journey the past two years. Wow, that sounds so interesting, and yeah, it makes totally sense that if you are a a chicken grower, for example, and people more and more want to have organic food, where they know that the animals who who which we are consuming that they have been bred properly and have had proper food and not just these flowers and these these weird pesticides and chemicals in it. Um, so tell us a bit about the, the bugs specifically. So which kinds of bugs are we talking about? Because not everyone actually is familiar with this topic. So is it more worms? And also, I I personally have eaten bugs before uh, you can buy them already in in certain shops also here in zurich and mm-hmm. it's a very nice complement to a salad because they're a bit nutty tasting so it's it's, it's a really it's it's a fun thing and uh, sometimes i don't tell the kids as well and then we, we laugh a little bit because it's just it's it's really just the eye that makes you feel a bit funny about it but the taste is actually quite delicious so tell mm. us a bit about the bugs themselves and, and the pots, because the, the YouTube uh, listeners, and the, they can maybe see your hands when you, when you show the size of the pot or something like that, or when we look you up. But for someone listening to it on the, on the earphones, tell us a little bit, what are we to expect? And also protein-wise, what is the benefit of the bug protein versus another source of protein, such as meat? cows and chickens and so on how does that complement in terms of the the value of the protein 
Great question. Yeah. So ultimately, our so every bug is a bit different. So they have a bit, they have a diff, they have different life cycles. So our growing pods are based around uh, the mealworms life cycle. So the mealworm actually it's not actually a worm. It's a it's a beetle larvae. So it's based around kind of the whole cycle of like you you start off with an egg, it develops into a mealworm, the thing you or your pets eat. And then some of them develop back into pupa, which is kind of the chrysalis kind of caterpillar stage. And then they can turn back into beetles. So there's kind of four different uh, sections of their life cycle that and our pods basically kind of passively stagger that. Um, so when these insects are kind of, uh, if you if you cook them, they're up to, they're over 50%, almost 55% protein. So really, really high protein content. Um, and comparing that to some sorts of, and comparing that to like, you know, traditional livestock, um, you know, beef, cow, chicken, um, an average kind of beef is around like, you know, 20, 20% protein. So they're really, really um, like nutritionally dense. They have amino acids. They have like, or, or they have all non-essential amino acids. And because you're eating the whole kind of uh, insect part of them, you have the micronutrients from the exoskeleton. So they're really packed full of kind of all the good stuff for like human development. Um, and the pods themselves. So yeah, ultimately, you know, yeah, because I guess it's kind of, it's very abstract. I'm sure your listeners uh, will be thinking an insect pod. It's like, what the hell is this? What's going on? Like, you know, <laughs> some sort of crazy, crazy futuristic thing that sits in the corner. Um, but basically these tray, uh, these are made up of five trays. These trays are made from recycled, um, currently right now they're British plastic, so recycled British plastic, um, and they're biodegradable. But these pods basically, uh, they're, they're shallow, hexagonal-shaped trays that sit, that, that sit on top of each other. Uh, and they're very small, you know, they're the size of like, you know, a microwave, a large microwave. Um, and yeah, so they sit, they can be placed anywhere in, in a user's uh, house. And ultimately, when, every couple of days you can put your uneaten fruit and veg. So let's say you have like, you know, some apples or uh, potato peelings that are like, you know, you're not eating. You can put those into the pods. The insects will eat that. And then after several weeks, you'll have insects that are ready to uh, harvest and you can feed these directly to your um, pets. Or if you're feeling more adventurous, you know, you can eat them yourself. Uh, like you said, you know, they're extremely, they're extremely tasty. They're versatile. Um, but yeah, they're just a really nice way that someone can, a, a quite a, quite a nice uh, easy way someone can live a more self-sufficient lifestyle in an urban area and that's one of the key things we're kind of finding that that uh, that a lot of people in Europe especially young people like 13 to uh, 35 are getting like you know they're more passionate about the environment they want to they want to reduce their carbon emissions they just they they want like you know they want more uh, ecological hobbies uh, like and you know if you're in the center of like you know as you are Zurich you know, you, you're quite constrained with what you can do. You might not have a garden or you might not have enough space. So, you know, outside of growing a greenhouse, you know, these pods allow people to have that little bit of extra self-sufficiency in their life. Mm -hmm. Wow, interesting. So you just deliver, you deliver them kind of like, if you could imagine, because that, I know people know about that, when you order like a butterfly kit for your children, you get kind of like a bag with like the eggs in it and then you grow yeah. it, right? Okay. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I will definitely look into that for, for the kids over the summer. That would, be, that would be a cool program to do with them. Yeah, yeah. We'll see, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I would definitely <laughs> love doing that. So tell me, um, how was that received in the UK? You know, because in the in the Western world, we are not so in use of eating bugs as well. You say it, it it's very prominent for the pets, but also 
just as part of the conversation and your research, how has it been received with, with human beings? I know well that in South America, for example, or in different Asian countries, eating bugs is as normal as eating a cow for us. So um, how was that received for you here? And where do you see the market in Europe um, flourishing the most? In which European? Yeah. Yeah, so as I kind of touched on that earlier, like, you know, we launched for the human market. We're now pivoting for the pet and animal feed market. And um, yes, but before we pivoted just in the, regarding human feed, because ultimately we don't just provide insect food. Um, sorry, we don't provide insects as food. We provide the growing utensils. So it's like the next stage. It's like, it's almost when you think about like, you know, how many people like, you know, eat strawberries compared to how many people actually grow their own strawberries. So, you know, it's, it's always a little bit harder to like, there's, there's a few extra steps. But ultimately in the UK, like, the, uh, it's always interesting talking to people. You know, we have a very strong social presence. We've done like in-depth user testing. And from all, from all that research, it's uh, like, you know, ultimately it seems that... Uh, a third of people who we talk to flat out just you know they're not interested they're rejected they're like they're like go away this this is crazy the other third of people are kind of you know they're they're like oh okay that's interesting you know um uh you know not not for me but you know i don't, don't like it you know but i i see the value of it and the other third are like wow like you know i see the value in this i like it i'll, I'll tell me more tell me more um so it's quite you know, as you kind of said, it's quite a visceral thing. Like people have quite strong emotions, especially when it comes to food, because food is quite cultural. Um, food takes, you know, it doesn't change over years. It takes, you know, it takes decades to really change kind of cultural perceptions. Um, you know, for example, like, you know, uh, lobsters back in the 1920s were called cockroaches of the sea. They were fed to prisoners in, in North America. And now, you know, they're like, you know, fine dining similar to oysters you know sushi when it came to europe in the in the in the 80s you know there was you know oh raw fish no way and now you can buy sushi anywhere in in europe um but yeah so again it, the food market was always more challenging so one of the great things we learned early on uh, last year was that um our, our, our key assumption was to test seeing are people in like in, in the uk and europe ready for growing pods to actually grow their own insects and we ultimately found out that we're a bit too early with this. However, our second assumption was, well, is the pet market ready? We found out that the pet market is really ready because a lot of these pet owners who have, you know, birds, fish, reptiles, amphibians um, already feed them insects. And in many cases, already feed them live insects. So it's a very small step to say, hey, hey, we'd be a buyer. We, we want to give you the tools to create your own source of, of continuously free sustainable and nutritious pet feed that you can grow in your home. So this, uh, the market for the pet sector, especially in uh, Western Europe, is it's really thriving and we're having really good results so far. And we're looking to, right now, we're currently in our first investment round. So hopefully we'll raise initial funds and then we'll move uh, and we'll scale the company and we'll then hopefully move into mainland Europe in the next few years. Wow, that is so exciting. Yes, no, I, I when I was young, I always had, I had a lot of animals. I had snakes, I had hamsters, I had cows, chickens, um, yeah, mice, rats, everything you can imagine. And a lot wow. of the rodents, I was feeding them actually with worms that I would buy in the shop. The worms that you feed actually when you fish. So the, the big harder ones, the long, hard, I don't know how you call them in English, but uh, yeah, my hamsters, they loved it. So um, it, makes totally, it makes totally sense that people would do it at home. So mm. um, 
what do you think you say you, you're raising funds now and you want to expand? Um, how can people get in touch with you? You know, how, how, how can also research institute or partners actually listening to this as well? How, how do you work with other organizations? Because I'm sure, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel. There's other people as well already thinking about that. And some listening to this specifically in the sustainability sector will be like, mm. oh, we're doing that too, you know, um, how can we collaborate? How does that work for you? Has, has there been a lot of demand for that? Or is it just that people talk about sustainability and yet there's not much yet out there? How do you see the market? Yeah, so uh, we're, as I said, like an, an early stage startup. So we've only had, like, I've only, I've only been working for like uh, on this for like the past uh, 18 months. So, Uh, our collaborations has been like, relatively limited, but like, people reach out all the time, you know, with um, like I, I jump, I have Zoom calls continuously with people in fields, like, you know, collaborating, sharing experiences, sh uh, sharing some data, talking about how we see uh, see the industry moving, uh, you know, the benefits, the drawbacks, you know, uh, or the pros and cons. So, yeah, it's, um, it's I think it's a very collaborative field. Like, you know, I'm always like, for example, like a LinkedIn, uh, a lot of people contact me through LinkedIn and also directly from the, our website, at beerbuyer.com um but yeah like it's people always reach out and it's uh it's quite a it's 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 an early, you know let's be honest it's an early stage emerging market so it's people get excited uh, about this so like it's great to share and be collaborative and in the past 12 months we've been with we've collaborated with a few other startups in this field in the uk but now we're looking to you know you know raise investment expand this uh, and kind of move, continue to move conversations forward For the investment part, and you know that I am, uh, I have my own family office and we as well invest in tech startups and so on. What is the return in investment then, if you would say, for example, in an investment um, for someone like me or someone like my colleagues who are listening to this, what, what, is, the, what is the take on it? Why would we invest in you? Oh, fantastic. Then that's turned turn into an investment pitch. I love it, Tessie. <laughs> um, <laughs> We yes. do everything on a Monday morning, everything. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. I mean, ultimately, I mean, what we're doing to be a buyer, we've, uh, we've kind of tested our assumptions. We're now backed by, we have, a, we have hundreds of beta testers. We're now looking to leverage that uh, at, with our retailer interest. So we already have secure investments. We have a five-year plan. Uh, within that five-year plan, we're looking to grow and scale And within that, in a, through the tail end of that, we're looking to probably also diversify into other markets because ultimately insects as a source of protein for humans and animals, this market is growing. It's, it's, a, like, it's, it's growing at an at astounding rate and it's going to be more and more important as, as this decade proceeds. So we'll be, we'll be one of those startups in a really well, in a really strong position to use our past experience to expand and explore future um, Uh, revenue streams and actually one of the most interesting ones that interests me is actually the humanitarian sector i feel that insects have can play a huge part in in reducing uh protein insecurity for the for low and middle income countries um so ultimately you know in a in a, in a one line it's like you know we're in a growing space and we want to be at the forefront of this absolutely no that makes totally sense And yes, thinking about humanitarian sector, also disaster relief and, you know, uh, uh, war zones, uh, refugee camps and so on. I think that could be a really good, a good source. And as you say, not just, you know, for humans, yes, 
um but also for you know a lot of them bring their pets and everything and often mm. in the humanitarian sector when it comes to crisis management um the the pets we see it with homeless people for example pets are their only source of of belo- feeling of belonging right often and uh, they can't feed their pets so i think um i think that is a really that is a really good idea to to think of i have not thought about it like that Thanks. And, and not only just for pets, but also for like small holdings. So if you have like, you know, uh, ch- uh, chickens, you know, uh, a fish, uh, you can produce insects from your weight, from uh, essentially your waste food and convert it into high quality livestock feed on a small scale. So like, you know, s- small holdings all over the world could have growing pods that actually produce a continuous free supply of food they can use to feed their uh, pet, uh, their animals. So um, I think it has, it has huge application. It's a growing hot hot space um and yeah it's just really exciting but again we're now looking to grow and scale in the pet sector and future data will direct us where we go but ultimately i'm very confident that as this decade proceeds these uh, market segments will become more and more lucrative and also uh rewarding monetary speaking but also like you know ethically you know like i set up this company to do good uh, for people but also for the planet exactly no and that is really that is that is the forefront of, of what a lot of people are looking for, right? Do good while also have a good return. Mm. Um, and also be different, right? Not always passing yeah. into the same things. Definitely uh, diversify the portfolio a little bit. So very interesting. Mm-hmm. So as we are running out of time, there's a question I always ask my speakers. And of course, we will put your website below the video on YouTube, but also uh, below the podcast channels and um maybe as well an email so people can contact you for for the more information and for the pitch deck for investors and so on. Um, My question to you then, as it is a topic, I heard about it and I have been exposed to it, but what would you as an expert think for someone coming into the field? Like an interesting book, maybe a book for young people or maybe a book for um, more mature people, something, where can we start to read about it that could give us a really good fundamental base on the topic? A good book. It's always a difficult question. I must, I must. Yeah. yeah, well, I actually, a good book, well, it's almost a book, but one of the things that I really, uh, that really kind of swayed my uh, thoughts on this was actually, uh, 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 well, it's, it's basically a book. Um, it could be a book, it's that long. Um, but it's a UN report on edible insects. It came out in 2013. Um, and it's a very in-depth report. It talks about, you know, everything from the ethics to sustainability to culture all across the world, uh, from eating insects to for humans, but also for animals. And, and it, it's it's exceedingly interesting. Um, so, uh, so I'll probably say that's a great that's a great book or, or report that someone can start off reading. Um, you know, it's a report, so it's, I think it's literally a hundred hundred or so pages long. It's quite an in depth report, but it has a nice few uh, few uh, intro pages at the start um, that you can get an overview with. So I'll definitely check out that report. It's the uh, I believe it's called the. Um, the, the the United Nations uh, Insect 2013 report. Um, really fascinating. It's a really easy read. Um, well, the intro is, um, I highly recommend that. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, we'll definitely put that link below as well. And it's it's funny though, when you when you say, you know, the, the report of the UN from 2013. 
So that's mm. a long time ago. It's so interesting that there's so many pressing topics out there that they that it's not possible to just keep it update, right? Up to date. Because as you say, 2013, you were not even in the field yet, right? You started 2017. And um, and I'm sure a lot has changed. So maybe even that food for thought for you and for anyone listening here, maybe to do something with you and 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 write a new research report in collaboration with the UN. Who knows? Food for thought always good. Um, so my dear Thomas, you are released from the chair of questioning for me for now. <laughs> Um, but thank you so much. This was really interesting and it was a really good introduction to your company and to what you are trying to do. Um, I wish you all the best. We keep in touch and um, yeah, have a good rest of the day. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Tessie. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And for everyone else listening still, um, please subscribe, comment, rate and share because only like that we will be able to grow this podcast to an even wider global audience for topics such as this one that are essential for us. And we need this innovation. We need new brains. We need young entrepreneurs such as Thomas um, to make this world a better place, one person at a time. So please do uh, join us. And um, you can also become a patron to the podcast. All of these informations on my website, tessidenassau.com. Until we meet again, have a good day. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this Zoom O'Clock. We hope this discussion was insightful and has provoked some new ideas for you. Please share and subscribe. If you like to keep in touch with your host, you can find her on Instagram under Tessie underscore from underscore Luxembourg and on Twitter under Tessie underscore DE.